Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. This is a major. This is Joe Turner. Identification? My name is Turner. I work for you. Now listen. Identify yourself. What is your designation? Uh, Condor. Something has happened. Section 9, Department 17. The section's been hit. What level? What level? Level of damage. Everybody. Dr. Lapp, Janice, Ray, Harold. Everybody is dead. What is it? What is it? Are you damaged? Damaged? No. Are you armed? Identify the armament. It's a 45 automatic. Will you guys bring me in, please? I'm not a field agent. I just read books. This is the panic office. Section 917 may have been hit. Hit confirmed. It was a quality work. Clean, fast, first rate. Except they overlooked one item. You say one of my people is still okay? Condor, you know him? No. Deputy Director Higgins, New York Center. I'm controlling now, Condor. Where are you? How come I need a code name and you don't? The head of your department just came here from D.C. He's going to bring you home. I've never met him. Don't worry. Two years military service. Separated 961. Worked at Bell Labs, Communication Research College on the GI Bill. This Condor isn't the man his file says he is. What? Wait a minute. I don't... Get in the car. Don't make a sound. Don't be dumb. I work for the CIA. I am not a spy. We have games. What if? How many men? What would it take? Seven people killed. And you played games. And the other side does too. Condor is an amateur. He's lost. Unpredictable. He could fool a professional. Yes? Do you believe the condor is really an endangered species? Include the condor episode without any more noise. We're already visible. Let's not become conspicuous. If company agents aren't enough, use freelance. Use whatever it requires, but end it. Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway.
in danger. And in love, in three days of the condor. Hey, this is comedian, author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver Adam Carolla telling you I love nostalgic radio and cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google CanTalk1340.com, and you can see us here in the studio live and waving at everybody up here. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, and uh, check out our events page. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, be sure to check out our Facebook pages, GolfstreamMotorsports.com and Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And don't forget to like us on both. There's always some cool stuff up there, especially on GolfstreamMotorsports.com. I always seem to you know, drive around the neighborhoods and find some pretty cool stuff. Uh, other than that, how are you doing this evening, Bobby? I'm doing good. You're doing real good. Okay, well, we're here. It's a nice sunny day, hot, humid in Florida. Of course, you did the weather report earlier today. You did a pretty good job of that. I was uh, pretty impressed. Bobby is now one of the official board engineers here at WTAN, Tan Talk Radio. That's kind of cool. You know, he's doing that for another three, four weeks, and then he's got to be off to school again. So it's just great training for him. So I'm pretty proud of him. Doing a great job. I say that job. big talks wears doodly squat. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it with the sound effects. Hey, you know what? we got a super guest coming on tonight. we got some pretty cool music. And i got my usual array of stories. Now, the big events that are going to take place here in the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to be able to go to Michigan because I'm scrounging and saving all my nickels and dimes and pennies and whatever else I can get together because I really like to get out to my favorite part of the world. That's Monterey because the Monterey Car Week event is just, it's priceless. It is the event. If there's no other event that you ever go to on the planet ever, 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 ever again, you got to go to Monterey. Because it's got racing, it's got auctions, it's got car shows, cool car, cool scenery, superb California weather. Okay. But anyway, uh, this weekend starts the Concourse d'Elegance of America at St. John's in Plymouth, uh, Michigan. Now, for all you guys that don't know where that is, that's just on the other side of, uh, I would say that's probably just west of uh, Detroit, near Novi. And uh, near Wald Lake and all those other little cool little outskirts of Detroit. And that is an amazing event, okay? That's probably the biggest concourse event taking place in the Northeast. And then, of course, the big one, obviously, will be Pebble Beach, and that'll be in three weeks in Monterey. Then, of course, and two weeks also, starting August 9th through the 15th, is Bonneville Speed Week. And that is going to be the subject of tonight's show. We're going to talk about Bonneville, the uh, dry lakes of uh, California, and land speed cars. So I've got a real fascinating guest coming on a little bit later, so I'm really looking forward to that. Of course, also, the, which is kind of weird how they do this thing, but uh, in the third week, August 16th of uh, the next month, is the Woodward Dream Cruise. Okay, And it's the 20th anniversary. So that should be exciting. You know, there's so many events. They're scattered all over the country. They're great events. Unfortunately, it's really, really, really difficult to attend them all. So you have to kind of pick and choose. And like I said before, there's four major events that I talk about. The big one starts to kicks off the year with the Car Guys deal is in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's basically Scottsdale Car Week, and there's like five or six different auctions going on. You've got, obviously, Barrett-Jackson. You've got Russo and Steel. You've got Bonhams. You've got uh, uh, Gooding. You've got uh, Silvers. And then, of course, you have RM. And there may be another one, but that's a surprise for a later date. Now, the other thing that they did in, uh, in in Scottsdale also is to kick off the week, as they do in the case with some of the other major events, they decided to have a huge car show, and it's called the... Watching NASCAR and drinking beer! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bubba J! But actually, it's called the uh, Concourse uh, of Arizona. 
and uh, that's a really, really nice event. And there's probably 70, 80 cars, a little less than 100 cars, and, it's, and it takes place at the uh, Bellevue Biltmore there in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, or in Phoenix, rather. And then, of course, the next one is probably one of my favorites in this part of the world, and a big salute to uh, to uh, Bill Warner because he does an amazing job with Amelia Island. Amelia Island is by far probably the one of the premier vintage events taking place on the eastern seaboard, and it only rivals Pebble Beach. And the only reason... It's not up there right next to Pebble Beach or dead even is because Monterey has a car races. It's got Laguna Seca. So once we get a car races over here at, uh, at Amelia Island, which that's in the works, my friends, uh, then we will have two outstanding events, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and they will be equal in terms of uh, uh, excitement and fun and car stuff. So, But anyway, so the other thing that goes on at Monterey besides the vintage races at Laguna Seca, which is uh, just just an incredible event. I mean, the cars that are out there, you, t- you talk about the history. It's I can't even talk about it in an hour. I can't even talk about it in five minutes. It's just amazing cars. You just have to go there. But there's rows and rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of really cool, exotic, and classic cars. As a matter of fact, you hear me from time to time talk about a uh, website called Bring a Trailer. And I just noticed a couple of days ago there was a car that was advertised on there, and it was a 1969 or 1970 Javelin. Actually, it's an AMX. And it was painted in patriotic colors, red, white, and blue, American flag, and all that stuff. And that car's for sale. It's a vintage race car that's got racing history since nearly day one. And I actually saw that car last year when I was at uh, Monterey, and I was surprised to find the guy wasn't really asking a ton of money for it. I mean, it's twenty twenty five thousand dollars is what it's advertised for. I think I'm bringing a trailer, and to get a legitimate vintage race car, race prepared, a current race car for vintage race car for under twenty five thousand dollars is an absolutely superb price. By rights, that car should be fifty thousand bucks. You know, because any car with any kind of racing history is worth forty fifty thousand dollars, even if it was campaigned by a uh, independent, which this car was, but still, nevertheless, it's a real live, bona fide race car with with live racing history. So that's 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 kind of a cool piece. But that's an example of what you find there. And then, of course, you'll have the other extreme. You'll have Ferraris. You'll have Formula One cars. You're going to have Porsches. You're going to have Trans Am cars, Mustangs, Camaros. Uh, just really, really cool stuff. It's just really, really exciting. But the kickoff event for Monterey. The whole week is uh, the concourse on the Ave, which is put on by our good friend Doug Freeman. And I cannot talk about this enough because this is really cool. And this is just a concourse. It's a free event for everybody. And, again, the cars are concourse-quality cars, driver-quality cars, Barn fine quality cars. I mean, it's an array of everything. Because now, recently, you know, the the preservation guys have finally woken up and realized that, you know, barn fine kind of cars are really cool. Because, again, they're only original ones. So when you find these cars, and they're unrestored, they're unmolested, they've got, they just got stories. They just got history. They got, they got soul. Cars do have a soul. I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. You know, when you get near a car... And again, it's a car guy thing, but, you know, a car will talk to you. It'll tell you a little bit of story. You just have to look at it and stare at it. You have to just pierce through it a little bit, you know. It's just really, really cool. It's just amazing. And um, But one of the things they do uh, midday is they have, they escort, police escort, Trans Am cars and vintage race cars and Can Am cars, which is one of my favorites, from Laguna Seca, which is about 25, 30, a 25-30-minute drive from the racetrack to downtown Carmel on Ocean Drive, Ocean Avenue, um, police escort downtown, echoing through the buildings. It's amazing. They got a whole block blocked off for these cars, and that is probably the big event of the concourse when those cars roll in because those are real live, bona fide race cars. And the personalities that own the cars. I mean, they're 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 
their characters and their their stories in themselves, you know. So that's really cool. Hey, Bobby, we got something uh, spinning around and around and around and around and around and around and around on the turntable. You're not talented. You're not funny. <laughs> yeah, how about that? But uh, anyway, yeah, we got some uh, cool stuff happening out there. Of course, the other thing is all the auctions going on. You know, you've got the uh, the uh, Meekum auction. He's going to have an, an unbelievable selection of cars. Gooding's going to have an unbelievable high-end selection of cars. They're expected to set record prices this year. Bonhams, it's just, uh, uh, and, and Russo's going to be there. It's going to be spectacular. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Video and Cars. Here's a little CCR for you. Run through the jungle, which is hot and sweaty out here. It almost feels like we're in a jungle, doesn't it, Bobby? Don't touch that dial. You're tuning into Nostalgic Video and Cars. We will be right back. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat, but I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on Westway Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 Westway Drive, or call them for a 
takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Garage and the list of thousand and one car things to do before you die, and now the fastest woman on four wheels. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. Thanks, Jesse. Speaking of which, she did. She was in a land speed record car, and I guess she set some sort of record. So she's the fastest woman on four wheels at Bonneville. So looking forward to talking about that. Anyway, back to Monterey. Talking about the auctions here a little bit ago, I was talking about Bonhams. Bonhams, supposedly, if I read the article right, they have 10 Ferraris from the factory coming over here. Cars from the uh, early 50s all the way to somewhere in the mid, early to mid-70s, okay? Um, you know, the, the, last year they did 280, I think the record was $280 million in cars collectively between all the auctions, okay? This year they're projected to do over $320 million. That's mind-boggling. I mean, it's, you know, I'm going to get a guest on here one day, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, because me as a car guy, you know, and then looking at these numbers on these cars, I can understand the Ferraris. I can understand the Delahays. I can understand the Delages, the Hispano Suizas, the Mercedes 540Ks, the the uh, just really unusual Bugattis. I can understand those cars bringing absolutely insane money. But I'll give you an example. Two years ago, I was at an auction. I won't mention which one. But they had a Ferrari California Spider there. Okay, there's a long wheelbase and a short wheelbase. And if you guys know, to, to kind of give you an idea which what the California Spider looks like, if you remember the movie, remember the movie, I got to talk slow here, remember the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There was a red California Spider in 1962. And they made them, I think, 61, 62, and maybe 63. I'm not sure. And uh, that car, at one point in time, was a very, very pricey car. In its day, when it was new, in the early 60s, it was about a $15,000, $16,000 car, okay? In the 70s, that car was probably a thirty-five, dollars $40,000 car. In the 80s, the car shot over 100000 I think, in some cases, that car brought towards the end of the era, uh, end of the 80s when Enzo passed away, I think that car fetched close to $400,000. Okay, now fast forward a couple of years ago, there was one that was at an auction and it sold for just under a million seven. And then six months later, there was another one that sold for a long wheelbase version for two million one. And then seven months later, it sold at another auction, okay, another high end auction, and it brought close to six million. All right, then a year later, a very similar car, because there was a number of those cars built, not a lot, you know, only a handful. You know, we're talking maybe, you know, 50, 60, 70 cars, 100 cars, something like that. I don't know exactly, but I'm just rough, rough, rough estimate, okay? 
brought close to $10 million. Okay, now they've got another one there, a bright, shiny, red, short wheelbase Ferrari California Spider, and the price is projected to reach between 13 and $15 million. Now, it's the running joke is this, that or scuttlebutt, whatever you want to call it, is that it becomes a game of billionaires because the average guy, there's just no way that he can afford that. The unfortunate aspect of this whole thing is is that those of us who are into collector sports cars, foreign cars, let's just say Heelys, Jaguars, Mercedes, Porsche, or something like that, well, we're feeling the the negative effects in one regard. The positive effects, the cars are going up in value as well. The negative effects are is the cars are getting out of the reach of guys like us. <laughs> very, very good. Um, and so it's like if I need to buy a part for my, you know, 1964 Porsche 356 and I got to buy a set of air cleaners and the air cleaners cost me $1,000, well, maybe I bought this car 20 years ago and I only paid $1,000 for the car in the first place. Or let's just say, for example, I have an E-Type Jag. An E-Type Jag right now are projected to go over $200,000 for a Series 1 Roadster. Okay, well, I might have bought that car in the 70s or 80s even for, you know, three, four grand. And now if I got to buy a particular part for the car or have the engine rebuilt, it's going to cost me fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. It's mind-blowing, okay? Now, the good- <laughs> very good, Bobby. Now, the right on cue. Good job. Uh, the good thing is, is for the majority of us that are out there and collect American muscle cars, as in the case of Mustangs and Camaros and you know B body Mopars and Roadrunners and Cudas and things of that nature and GTOs, those cars haven't gone through the roof. They're just kind of like holding steady because the billionaires have no interest in our cars. So the average guy out there. You know, we're lucky because the peak of the market was probably 2007, and that's when, let's say, Shelby's were bringing $200,000, Copa Camaros were bringing two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, Cuda, Hemi Cudas were bringing a million and change, uh, just Hemi Coupes were bringing, you know, four or $500,000. Well, those days are kind of gone. So now I think the, the American cars are pretty much, you know, they're back to kind of like normal levels, kind of where they should be. So... Anyway, hey, I think we got a, t- a song on a turntable, and it's just about time to get our guests on. I didn't realize how much time flies when I'm having fun. But uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cue up this next song, which I think is a little Almond Brothers. And the title of the song is Dreams. It's kind of a groovy song. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Nostalgic Radio on Cars. And you're going to hear an amazing story about an amazing gentleman that's involved with Bonneville. Land speed cars, the fastest cars on the planet. Yeah. 
go. Don't matter. We don't want the goat anyway. Come on. Okay, she's gonna burn you. They ain't gonna catch me now. All they think about is cars. Just a bunch of small-town car freaks, that's all they are. They've been following me clear across two states. Three states. I'm sure we'll race. You're damn right we'll race. Pink. Pink slips? You mean for cars? Where to? You name it. Washington, D.C. After D.C., we'll go on down to Florida. Got some nice beaches down there. Just color me gone, baby! We gotta get some action soon. We'll need Fred to do a little work on the carburetors and check out the rear end. On air condition. On air condition, huh? I don't want a key, though. We'll roll in bed. In my back seat. In my back seat. I don't like being crowded by a couple of punk road hogs clear across two states. If I wanted to bother. Suck you right up my tailpipe. Uh, this man's dangerous, officer. He passes on the right a couple of miles back. I swear he's going about 90. He must be on something. Take it easy, man. You're gonna kill us. from SoCal Speed Shop and the host of Car Warriors. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. Okay, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a world-renowned automotive author and photographer. He has a number of hot rod books to his credit, but his most recent book, Bonneville Salt Flats, Two Decades of Photography. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, author, photographer, and fellow hot rodder, Peter Vincent. Peter, are you there? Great lead-in. You like that? Good. <laughs> we had a little technical difficulty, but we got it handled. So Okay. That's okay. Anyway, music hey. Music was perfect. Music was perfect. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about uh, Peter Vincent. And the uh, photography and the book that you're working on, your most recent book, Bonneville Soft Flats, Two Decades of Photography. I've been trying, okay, here's, it, it, it's, it's kind of a long, involved story. I've been trying to merge the fine art with the automotive. Mm-hmm. And I've been shooting with magazines and uh, doing books. And actually, there's one other book that was the very first book. It's called Hot Rod, an American Original. Oh, okay. The Bonneville, the Bonneville book's actually the fourth book. Okay. And, uh, and, this book is the first one that has allowed us because we kind of self-published with some help and didn't have to go through marketing departments or publishing departments or a publisher per se, although Peter Bodensteiner of Stance and Speed and John Stika, who is a graphic designer, worked with me a lot on this. And uh, so the book was more of a passion than it was just a commercial kind of endeavor which the other books weren't, but you know, you know what I'm saying. We we we, we were able to do what we wanted. Well, I can... and uh, I was able to I was able to do kind of an artistic presentation and meld more of a fine art into the book than most places would allow us to do. So the book really doesn't have a storyline, but yet it tells a story, right? Exactly, exactly. No, there's no there's no definite storyline, but it's a historical 
story about Bonneville from the standpoint of all the years that I've been there. And I, I don't, you know, I do write and I tell stories about the people I've met out there and I get other people to write what their feelings are about it. And I have my own feelings about it, but I'm a visualist. I'm a photographer. So I, I, I try to show people what it's like to be at Bonneville okay. from a visual standpoint. And uh, that means getting into Bonneville from the outside edges into Wendover, Nevada, where most people stay when they go to the Bonneville Salt Flats and then out to the salt and then out onto the course and then the race cars. And uh, so it, it kind of travels through Bonneville all the way through. And, and it's 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 a visual story, yes. And it also seems like, now, just give us a little history on, on Bonneville. People actually started racing there around the turn of the century, correct? Yes, yes. In fact, they had the 100-year anniversary at the Grand National Roaster Show. The first car raced there in uh, 1014. Wow. And I can't remember the name of the car, but... Uh, Actually, Pete Eastwood found out about it and uh, arranged for the car to be there. So they had a special showing at the Grand National Roaster Show, a building that was just dedicated to the Bonneville race cars, which is kind of unusual. And the FCTA, the Southern California Timing Association, uh, had their first race down there in 1949. And then the Salt Flats Racing Association, the Utah, Salt Flats Association uh, also races down there, so they're saying. And Mike Cook has a race that he runs, so it's 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 a long involved thing, and it seems to be growing rather than receding. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be there early enough to see it and meet people from its infancy times and from its earlier days. And I've met people that raced there in the fifties and. Uh, to be able to talk to these people and the knowledge they have, and they're still going out there, and some of them are still racing. So, you know, it's 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 an honor. This book for me is a tribute to the people that I've met out there, to the friendships I've developed out there, and also to the vision I feel that I learned through the artwork. Because my background is fine art. I didn't come up through commercial work. I came up through fine artwork, and it's it's. It's it's been trying to meld the two. I mean, I've done commercial work, but I prefer the fine art work. I've been trying to bring more fine art or more of the image that speaks beyond the image that tells something about the feeling of what it's like to be there, rather than just a picture of a car sitting on the salt. Define fine art get... for our listeners. Wow. Uh, in short, in short. <laughs> now, the reason I say okay. that is because I see, you know, at the beginning of your book, okay, I see the name Tom Fritz. Now, I met Tom at Bear Jackson, and he's an excellent artist, okay? Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the first and the first person who wrote the introduction to the book is Phil Lanares, and okay. he's the chief curator. He, He's the, he was the chief curator at the Oakland Museum of Fine Arts, Oakland Museum of California. Mm-hmm. So he is been tied into the fine art world forever. And uh, he also goes to Bonneville every year. And uh, there's also a dedication to Walter Cotton in there by Peter DeLore, who is right. another fine art photographer. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm melding as much as I can in there. Fine art to me is taking a photograph of something that takes you into the photograph and takes you beyond just the immediate image and gives you a feeling of that which is beyond the photograph. Like a personal experience. And, and, 
like a personal experience, and it, okay. and it works differently with everybody. So I can't say that, you know, I learn something new out there every year that I go out there, and I meet new people every year that I go out there. So it's, it's, uh, it's a blending of everything. And I've driven out there twice, so now I understand what that passion is that everybody has that wants to drive. It's, it's called salt fever, and once you get it, you've got it. And that uh, the first time I went to Bonneville, I walked out on the salt and I looked at a minimalist landscape and I said, geez, I mean, this is this is absolutely wonderful. It's, it's just beautiful out here. It's incredible. You've taken everything out of the picture that doesn't need to be there. And the only thing that you add is the landscape or what you want in the photograph. And I, I learned my photography. I'm kind of self-taught, but I also was around Ansel Adams and Brett Weston and Peter Delory, Dwayne Michaels, and a lot of people that were photographers back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that were very formalists. And uh, that's how I learned photography was large format film. And I still photograph with big film. So not big, big film, but medium-sized film, I guess is what you'd call it. And it still is better than digital I, 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 to me. But this is personal. This is this is personal. I wouldn't say that it's better than a digital photographer could get something excellent out there. But for me, film, I understand it. So I, I shoot a lot of stuff with film. Would it be fair to say, because I was reading through the book, there's a little, you got little um, sections in here that, that have some, uh, some, let's just say, written dialogue, so to speak. And what's interesting is you mentioned salt flat fever. But it's like a culture. And let me just draw an analogy here. For example, most racing today is very commercial. I would say that your drag racing is still racing, 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 and there's camaraderie there and small towns, circle tracks, things of that nature. Bonneville is also like a culture. It's like a family. So expound on that a little bit. Yes, yes. It's, it's, Bonneville is something where everybody's competing against everybody. I mean, obviously. But it hasn't reached a level where there's no money prizes at the end. And uh, uh, you you break a record over 200 miles an hour, you get a baseball cap that says you're a 200-mile-an-hour record holder. You break a record at 300 miles an hour, over 300 miles an hour, you get a 300-mile-an-hour baseball cap, and you, you get in the books. It's It's done for the passion, and surprisingly enough, the camaraderie out there is... It's like nostalgic drag racing became right at first, which now the money's starting to take over. And, you know, it's like NASCAR's is a very big commercial deal. Top fuel drag racing is a big commercial deal. I mean, you've got two cars racing next to each other that are essentially the same car. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got all the same parts in it. They've got all the very best stuff you can possibly put in it, and they're, they're multi-million dollar endeavors, so to speak. Bonneville, you could take a Volkswagen out there, and as long as it passed all the safety inspections, you could race it. And you could be in a class that might be viable for that versus somebody with a streamliner that may be a, trying to approach 500, 550, above 400 miles an hour. So, you know, you're racing with everybody, and everybody kind of gets along, and it is kind of a family, and that's what has kept us going back there. We go back there every summer and spend at least a week down there because it's a reunion. It's the only time we see these people. And it's generations, and, generations after generations seem to be doing it all the time, too, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And if the younger generation doesn't pick up where the older generation is falling off, We'll lose it. 
and uh, you know, there's the second. There's also the second thing that's happening is the salt is depleting because of commercial endeavors around Bonneville salt flats, and because of nature, and because of Interstate 80, and you know, you can talk about this forever. So there is a. It's the first nitromethane-driven sport or high-test gasoline sport that I've seen join with environmentalists to help save it. Wow, that's good. And I, I, I think it's it. I think it's wonderful because I, I believe in the environment, but I love nitromethane. I love <laughs> the sound of an engine. The sound of an engine going off with nit- a full load of nitro in it is 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 nasty, and it's it's a ground shaker. You know, you you. It's 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 a it's a sensory feeling that you get deep inside that, uh, and to be able to drive one of these things is something else. I mean, to feel the power and and to go down a straight line and know that there's nothing out there you're going to hit. You just have to keep the thing going straight and go as fast as you possibly can go. Take us through. The, I, I take us through the I've process a little felt, bit. Pardon? Take us through the process a little bit. How does it work? Now you've driven out there, right? I've driven out there twice. Okay. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have people allow me to drive their cars out there twice. And uh, it turned, for me, you're waiting in line. It's a first come, first serve on the long course, on the short courses, on whichever course you're on. Whoever gets to the line first gets to race first. And you're strapped in a car. You've gone through safety inspections. You've gone through safety tests. You have to be able to completely pass an 18-second get-out-of-the-car test to be allowed to race. And the car has to pass all the safety qualifications, which means you've got all the correct belts, you've got all the correct roll cages, you've got a correct suspension, you've got correct tires, you've got correct wheels. I mean, everything, and you've got a fire bottle set up that will put out fires automatically if you pull the buttons and a fuel shut off. And You know, you have to have all the stuff that all the big cars have, on collars, helmets, fire suits, the whole bit. And it, it's a very big deal. They, they treat it the same way you would if you're racing top fuel drag racers. And that's, but by the time you get sitting in the car and you get ready to take off, your first shot is, the first thought that went through my head is, God, I hope I don't embarrass myself and screw up, you know, and, and, and miss a shift or stall the car out on the stall, starting line or something like that, which didn't happen. But when I got going, you're in a world all by yourself. It's, 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 to me, it's a real intense, focused calm. And that's what I experience. It's, it's spiritual in a non-religious sense. And I, uh, I, I loved it. And you reach the end of the course and you're the only one out there because nobody's gotten down there as fast as you. And so you get out of the car after you shut everything down and made sure everything's okay and you take the, the top of your fire suit off because you're a bucket of sweat by the time you get down there because it's usually over 100 degrees out there when you're racing. And a fire suit's not exactly what you call a breather. <laughs> so it's, 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 but I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. So how- and uh, I, I, it, it's just, it's, it's spiritual. Now, the one time that it becomes non-spiritual is, is, is if something starts to happen. The car starts to move the wrong way. Uh, like the rear wheels start to let go 
and you, the car starts to lift a little bit or something, and you realize that if you don't take care of what's happening then, that you've got some problems, or you have a mechanical failure or something like that, that shifts you out of the spiritual zone in, in, in many seconds, in, in microseconds, because all of a sudden you realize that, whoa, i got to take care of this, and uh, I have to deal with this. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different world then, but then if you get it under control and keep it there, it's still a great experience. I've never, I've never, I mean, I, I was into drag racing when I was younger, but that was a long, long time ago. That was back in the 60s. And uh, this is now 2014, and it's a, it's a whole new ball game out there. There's, there's the old school racers, and there's a lot of new school people coming out there with a lot of computer assist. And I, whatever you do, anybody that drives a car over 400 miles an hour, to me, I admire I don't care if it's old school or new school or computer assisted or whatever. That's still, if something screws up at 450 miles an hour, you're going to be screwed up. I mean, you're, you're going to you're going to you're going to take your lumps. And uh, but just to hear the car go by, uh, I in 1991, Al Teague, I was down there. Al Teague went 432 miles an hour in his Streamliner single V8 engine. And I was, I was standing in the pits and I looked around and everybody that I saw stopped whatever they were doing and turned around and watched because this car made a sound that just echoes over the salt. You know, you're running a top fuel motor in it and, uh, Al Teague is a true gentleman out there. He's, he's, he's the real deal and he's running a car that he has to handle. He has to steer. He has to feather the gas so that rear tires don't spin because there are two things you try that, that are important at Bonneville is to keep the car on the ground and to keep traction, to keep enough traction to get it to go fast. And it's, it's a combination of those things and then having the horsepower to do all of this and having the aerodynamics to do it because if you're going over 400 miles an hour, think of what happens when a 400-mile-an-hour wind hits a town. I mean, I... You know, it's, it's like a hurricane at 150 miles an hour is a major deal, right? Exactly. Okay, well, you're way past that driving a car through uh, 175. Once you hit 175 miles an hour, you have passed beyond hurricane status. and You're in a status then where you're keeping the car on the ground and keeping safe is, is a big deal because things happen, and they happen really fast. And I've, I've seen a lot happen out there. The people are wonderful. They, they make new rules. They, they are very conscious of checking the car out, checking the structure of the car, checking the roll cages, checking the safety belt, the harness setup, the, the wrist restraints, the window netting, the fire bottles, you know, and whether the car is structurally stable enough to handle the speeds that are in its class. And so if you're in a competition coupe class that goes 275 miles an hour, your car has to be safe enough to do that, even though you may only go 225. So it's, it's, and then you start mixing that with the art of the, the landscape and the art of the environment out there and the niceness of a lot of the people out there that are willing to help. And you go up and talk to somebody and you've got a problem with something and, uh, the people will tell you. There doesn't seem to be this secret hiding information out there there seems to be a free exchange of information and uh i have met some wonderful people out there that have become lifelong friends and that to me is this book i hope honors that in in a way this is this is for the people at bonneville it's, it's something i've wanted to do for a long time and we had some help and 
three of us. Peter Bodensteiner worked on me when he worked at Motor Books on my second book, which is Hot Rod, the Photography of Peter Vincent. And he, I got in touch with him and I says, I want to do this Bonneville book. And uh, another publisher wanted it done a certain way and I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it. And Peter and I agreed on this and we got John Stika as a graphic designer involved who's also a hot rodder, a gearhead, and everything came together. I mean, it took two years to put this book together, and I had thousands and thousands and thousands of images. And I still, you know, there's still things I would probably change, but I'm happy with the book, and uh, I'm very happy with the response I've gotten, and I'm very happy with the people I worked with on it. Well, let me ask you a question. I've got the book open, and I'm looking at the centerfold, and that is just an absolutely gorgeous picture. But it looks as if the Bonneville Softlax is underwater. Explain that to me. I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, the reflections, the lighting, uh, and it seems that you use natural lighting in your photography, correct? Yes, yes, always. Okay. I'm a natural light photographer. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was raised with Ansel Adams and Weston, Wynn Bullock, and people like this who don't bring huge light systems out to light up an area. That's commercial. Mm-hmm. I do, I do, I do, I believe in an integrity of photography. Okay. I believe in the integrity of the image, uh, which means what you photograph is what, is, what was there. Okay. Now, now, the centerfold that folds out happened in 2005. That storm, we were nine miles out on the salt in the pits, and you could see the black clouds come in, and they were 270 degrees around us. There was only one area that was clear, and it was the one leading out towards the lake, and you couldn't go in that direction. And then 70-mile and 80-mile-an-hour winds came, and then the rain came, and within an hour's time, that whole basin is full of six inches of water. And it's, 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 you have to drive out. You have to get out of there. Now, you're driving out in salt water, and, uh, which, is, which is one of the worst things <laughs> that you can get in your car. You don't want to drive fast. I put the car in gear and I idled out. It took us two and a half hours to drive out. And But I went out the next morning and took this photograph. And I took it with a panoramic camera and took it with a big film camera. And it was just beautiful out there. It was just in- incredible. And it kills the racing and it's bad for racing. But it doesn't mean the environment is not still what it is. And the and the beauty of it isn't what it is. It still it still was to me. It was still an honor just to be there, even though it completely screwed up my brakes and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I got to ask this question now because I was reading somewhere where it says that there's only one car wash in Wendover, and usually there's a hundred <laughs> cars in line. So truthfully, tell me because this everybody wants to know this. When you race at Bonneville and your car is coated in salt, okay. How, what measures do you have to go through to thoroughly clean your car to prevent any, now we're in Florida, so we're, you know, we're, we're used to salt air and salt water and all that stuff, but that's a completely different experience. Tell us about that. We got about three minutes left, four minutes left, so I don't know if you can do that real quick, but go ahead. Well, it's, 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 the first thing we do is I don't go to the car wash in Wendover. I don't have time. I, I, I head for home. I head for home because I know I can get the car up in the air and I can get underneath it and I can hit it with a high-pressure sprayer that'll get everything. Okay. It still gets everywhere. Sooner or later, it's going to affect the car regardless of how much you take it away. I know guys that completely disassemble their cars when they get back. Wow. 
take the cars completely apart, clean everything. Now, the racers do a lot of this. Now, I'm a photographer that just bought a race car, so we're going to learn about all this. We just bought a fuel a fuel coupe from the 60s that has a brand-new funny car roll cage in it that we think will be qualified to run at Bonneville with a blown hammy. Oh, wow. So it's a historical car that already had the funny car roll cage put in it, which changes the history, which we're going to take back out after we've added the history of Bonneville to the car. And we're going to take it back to what it was in the 1960s because it has history. It has true history. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's you know, it, it, and you have to deal with the acidity of the salt and what it's going to do to your car. And you use WD-40, Gibbs, uh, salt away, Pam, anything underneath, you know, you, you spray it with something that'll protect it. Because if it gets through there to bare metal, it's going to get the car. It's going gonna, it's gonna to start getting to it. There's pictures of and, your 71 uh, Camaro. How's that holding up? It's been completely rebuilt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was in 1992, and we got in a storm in 1992, and there's a picture of a 44, Jerry Helwig's 44, sitting in six inches of water in, in the middle of the book. Uh-huh. And uh, we were out there with the Camaro doing that. And so the Camaro was lowered, and I had to go through six inches of water to get off the salt. And the fan blades caught the water and sent it all the way through the hood, came out the hood louvers. And it was a, there, I went down to the car wash, and there was a mile and a half of cars lined up to get through the car wash. So I just went back to the hotel, went to sleep, got up the next morning, lifted the hood, and it's pure white. Oh, my. And, you know, I knew that I was screwed. I, there's nothing I could do. You just you, you go back home, and I put the car up on jack stands, and I ran high-pressure sprinklers under it for four days. And I have since replaced all the quarter panels, the front fenders, the exhaust system, the clutch system, the transmission, the engine, the radiator. You know, everything's been redone. It's, it's a new car again. It's a new car. All right, Peter, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. Tell us where everybody can find your book and your uh, website. You can get in touch with me. Uh, I'm going to give you an email, a pvincent49 at hotmail.com. Or you can get in touch with Stance and Speed which is Peter Bodensteiner's publishing house in Minneapolis. And uh, you can get books from me or you can get books from him. Super. I think they're also listed on Amazon. Okay, good. And they can find all your other books there as well, right? uh, Yeah, most of them are out of print. Okay, but they can go to your website and get them, right? Yes. Okay. Peter, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out to hang out with us. Our guest this evening was Peter Vincent, the author of Bonneville Salt Flats, Two Decades of Photography. Hey, everybody, tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every week for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, as well. If you missed any of our past shows, go to our podcast, which is located on our website. Be sure and like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Gulfstream Motorsports. I want to see some of you guys at some of the car shows. Don't forget, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your families. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his hand. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to take a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.